Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise Yahweh. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him from the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun, moon. Praise him, all you shining stars and you waters above the heavens. Praise him, the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He established them forever and Ever, and he gave a decree and it came to pass. It did not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all the deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. Praise Yahweh. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's all right to praise him. Will you praise him with me? Praise the Lord, for he is worthy of all the praise. And we give honor and glory this morning. I praise God for being here today. I want to thank Pastor Corey and the elders uh, for the gracious invitation to come and speak to you this morning. We're excited about the partnership and the fellowship of our churches, conversations we've been having, opportunity for us to serve this community together, to show the world what unity in Christ looks like. Even though we might be different, we have a common Savior one Lord, one Spirit, one baptism, and we can serve the Lord as his church. Now, I want to see just how cultured all of you are. Have you heard the great literary tale of the wolf and the three little pigs? Little pig, little pig, let me come in. No, no, not by the hair of my chinny-chin-chin. Then I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. So we know the wolf blows down the houses of straw and sticks. But he cannot blow down the house of bricks. You see, when I build something, See, some of y'all might be a little more handier than I am. When I build something, it's going to fall down. But whatever Jesus built, it will stand forever. Whatever Jesus builds will stand forever. And so as you heard in our text this morning, Matthew 16, 13 through 18, I want to talk with you this morning on the topic, when Jesus builds his church. When Jesus builds 
his church. Will you pray with me briefly? Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would be with us as we dig into your scriptures. Hide me behind the cross. May you be seen. May I receive no glory. May all the glory and the honor go to you. May you increase in our hearts and our minds that we may worship you and serve you and be your church in whom you are our Lord and our Savior. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When Jesus builds his church, you see, when God calls a people for himself, he always calls them out to be different from the rest of the world. He called Abram out of a wicked and pagan people to be the first Jew. So the first Jew was a Gentile. You'll get that when you get home later on. Abram, later called Abraham, would be the father of a great nation. And God selected Israel to be his people. Deuteronomy 7 and 6 says, For you are a people holy to the Lord, for God, the Lord your God, has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. So Israel was called out to be separated from the other pagan nations. And God's criteria for selecting Israel as his people was not because they were somehow bigger or better or superior to the other nations. Deuteronomy 7 again, 7 through 8 says, It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you or chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loves you. And he's keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. See, God chose Israel because of his divine love and sovereign purposes. The people of God, and the people of God did not end with Israel, but Gentiles were grafted and adopted in. Romans 11 and 17 from the New Living Translation puts it this way. But some of these branches from Abraham's tree, some of the people of Israel have been broken off. And you Gentiles who were branches from a wild olive tree have been grafted in. So now you also receive the blessing God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. I don't know about you, but I'm not Jewish, so that puts me in the category of Gentile. And I'm glad today that God has grafted Gentiles in. Are you glad today that God has brought you into his family? He's brought you into his family tree. Are you glad today that he has formed what we call the church? God's people are now called the church. The Greek word used for church in the New Testament is ekklesia. Ecclesia means called out assembly or the called out ones. Like Israel, God did not choose and adopt us because we were so special or good. The church is an assembly of messed up sinners who've been called out of the world 
So if you've come into this church today thinking you're surrounded by a bunch of perfect per folks, you come to the wrong place. I might not know all of you personally, but I know people. We're a bunch of jacked up, messed up, screwed up, tore up from the floor up people. But praise be to God who has taken all of our sins, brought us into the family of God, and called us his church. He's called us out of the world. The church is assembly called out. And so like Israel, the church is to be separate and distinct from the surrounding culture. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 through 18 says, Therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Trinity Park, you need to see yourself as being called out by God. If you want to make a difference in the world, you must be different from the world. See, salt is different from the food it flavors. You are to be salt and light in a world of nastiness and darkness. Matthew 5, 13 through 16 reminds us you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The church is founded and established on the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus asked his disciples in our text, who do people say that the Son of Man is? The responses range from John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, to one of the prophets. But then Jesus asked an all-important question, who do you say I am? Everyone has an opinion about Jesus. But the real question is, what do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about Jesus? What you believe about Jesus will determine your eternal destiny. So who is Jesus? He is the prophesied Savior the first promise of a Savior to come after the fall. Jesus is the promised one to bruise the serpent's head. Jesus is the one to redeem our sinful race. Jesus is the Savior to be virgin born. Jesus is the Savior to be God in flesh. Jesus is the Savior to be born in Bethlehem. Jesus is the Savior to be preceded by John who would prepare the way. Jesus Christ was born at the right time in human history. Who is Jesus? He's the crucified Savior. Every step Jesus took in life was toward the cross. Isaiah had prophesied his painful death for sinners. John the Baptist called him the Lamb of God. On the cross, Jesus is the figure of forgiveness. 
even the dying thief found forgiveness. Jesus saves this thief out of his grace and mercy. The thief did nothing to earn it, but God saves him. This gives us hope. I hope it gives you hope. That no matter what we, you, or I have done, God can save us. All who come to Jesus find forgiveness and eternal life. It does not matter what you did last week, last night, or even this morning. If you come to Jesus, he can forgive all your sins. And let's be honest, I know you've come to church today and some of you have gotten dressed up. You even got your hair combed. If you've come to church and we oftentimes want to put on kind of this air that we've come into the church. But if we were honest to list out all of our sins, you could go on a scroll and start listing all your sins. It would go around 440, 440 times. But Jesus took that record of your sin. He nailed it to the cross. He tore it up. He said all debts have been forgiven. And everyone who comes to him, does not matter what ethnicity, whether white, black, Hispanic, Asian, Chinese, Japanese, African, Australian, all who come to Jesus can find forgiveness for their sins. So if you are heavy laden by your sins this morning, you've come to the right place to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. Have you trusted in this Jesus? Repent. That means to turn from your sins and turn to Jesus. Change your mind about who he is and believe he is the Savior. And turn to Jesus to be forgiven of all your sins. Who is Jesus? He is the risen Savior. His resurrection proved his deity. His enemies thought they had destroyed him at the cross, but he rose. Because he arose, those who trust in him will arise. Who is Jesus? He's the coming Savior. Jesus Christ who died and rose and will come again. He must come to fulfill his promise. Who is Jesus? As Peter confessed, Jesus is the Christ. The anointed one, the son of the living God. The church is not built on Peter, but on his confession that Jesus is the Christ. The church is built on Jesus. He is the rock. And I'm not talking about Dwayne Johnson. Jesus is the rock of salvation. He is a firm foundation. And all other foundations are defective. 1 Corinthians 3 and 11 says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If you're building your life on anything other than Jesus, it is sand. If you're building it on your good deeds, it will not last. If you're building it on religion, being religious, it will not last. If you're building it on just trying to be a good person, it will not last. 
I know you're good, and I know you're a good citizen of Cary. I know you recycle. But that will not get us into heaven. We need a firm foundation, which is in Jesus. When Moses struck the rock in the wilderness, even though once he was told to speak to it, it provided flowing water for the people to drink and live. And we know that Jesus was that rock. In 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank from the same spiritual drink, drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that flowed, that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Jesus is the rock that was struck for us so that streams of living water would eternally satisfy all who trust in him. And all who trust in Christ are then brought into the household of God, the church. Ephesians 2, 19 through 21 says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. See, for a solid foundation, the cornerstone is the first stone laid. All other stones are placed after it. Christ is the preeminent cornerstone that must be laid. The church is also built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. The apostles taught, they taught about Jesus and the gospel, which is the foundation of the church with Christ being the cornerstone. The cornerstone anchors the building and gives all the walls its line. Today, the church adheres to the apostles' teaching, which is also the New Testament and the Old Testament prophets, which also point us to Christ. If the church is built on the teachings about Christ, then we need to be people of the word. So we need to know Christ, love Christ, and obey Christ. We ought to be people of the book, studying the word of God, to know about Christ, the head of the church, the firm foundation, the cornerstone of our lives. And as believers, we're being built into a spiritual house. Trinity Park, I'm talking to Pastor Corey, and I know that you are fairly new in this building and what a blessing this building has been to you. But I want you to know this morning that this building is not your church. God's house is a spiritual house, not a physical one. See, the physical house, as good as it is and as, as nice and shiny as it is right now, is not permanent. It ages. We've been in our facility for a little while now, and you can see cracks. We sit in elder meetings talking about we need to change the, fix the VAC. I'm like, we just moved in here last week. No, it's been years. It wastes away. But God's spiritual house 
does not. Long after our buildings are gone, the church, God's people, will last forever with God in eternity. When Jesus builds his church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Saul and the Pharisees could not stop the church. When they persecuted the church, the church scattered, causing the gospel to spread, which in turn caused the church to grow. So even in the midst of persecution, as we pray for the church in China, as we see persecution starting to increase, even in our own country, we need to understand that even when those things come against the church, it breeds, it helps to scatter the people of God to spread the word of God. When Russia uh, invaded Ukraine, those Ukrainian Christians started to flee, and I pray that they took the gospel with them. As they spread to other countries, the good news of God's word continues. You see, nothing can stop God's church. False teachers cannot stop the church. Lies and slander cannot stop the church. Mad church folks who refuse to give cannot stop the church. Ungodly laws cannot stop the church. The government cannot stop the church. A culture hostile against Christians cannot stop the church. Shooters cannot stop the church. The gates of hell cannot stop the church. When Jesus builds his church, nothing can stop it. When Jesus builds his church, nothing can stop it. So there's a sense in which we all need to kind of rest in what Jesus is doing. And some of us as pastors, we get real busy and we can get real frantic about trying to do stuff to build the church. But guess what? The church is being built by Jesus and he can do it far better than I can. Rest that Jesus will build his church. Now I want you to hear me that I must point out the difference between the universal church, the Catholic universal church, and the difference between that and a particular local church. No power will ever be able to prevail against the church of Christ, but this this does not mean that a particular local church cannot lapse into the darkness of extinction. Revelation 2 and 5 says, remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent, And do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. See, when the lampstand is removed from a local church, that church will die. Or even worse, its witness in the community will cease to exist. The extinguishing of a church's witness is a great tragedy, both for the church and also for the local population on whom the church should be shining the light of the gospel. But God's work continued. God's work continued, and he will raise up churches to shed forth the light of his truth. 
You see, it is Jesus who calls together and gathers his church. His church is the body of redeemed people called out from the world by him. Brothers and sisters, we are Christ's body of people, a people called out, sanctified, and set apart by him to form the church of the living God. God has blessed us to be in his body. If God had left you to be on your own, to be on your own devices, can you imagine where you would be right now? I just need you to think for a moment, just for a second, if you were to look at your life and recognize all the stuff that maybe you have been caught up in, maybe all the stuff that you did, maybe all the stuff maybe some of you in here might be doing right now, but yet that does not earn you into heaven. In fact, what we have done has disqualified us from heaven. In order for you to earn heaven, all right, I'm going to give you the secret. I don't know if Pastor Corey shared this with you. If you want to earn your way to heaven, I need you to do this. Be 100% perfect all the time. How y'all doing with that? You got to keep the law from your time of birth. Oops, we done messed up. Because even your beautiful children that are here, they're all cute. But even when they're babies, they have a sinful nature. Because have you ever called your little toddler and told them to come here and they went there? Here. Come here. And they run from you. Have you ever told a child, this is why I know that the law is written on your heart. So have you ever told a child, don't touch that? And they know not to do it. And they look to see when you're going to leave the room. They know what's right and what's wrong. Sin is in our hearts. We have already messed up when we disobeyed our parents. We've not been perfect from the time of our existence. And so if you look over the history of your life and you've seen where you have messed up, where you've seen where you have broken God's law, but I'm here to remind you that the church has good news, that even though you have been disqualified by your own efforts, there is a person who has qualified by his perfect life, where he obeyed every law. He obeyed his parents. Where we messed up, he did it right. Where our life fell short, his life stacked up. He lived the life we could not live. Jesus is the one who's taken my messed up life and given me his perfect life. There's not a place in the world in which you can get a deal like that. See, some of y'all are the type of people who want to jump by Thanksgiving and you're already celebrating Christmas. I pray for y'all. Give Thanksgiving some respect. But you know in Christmas time, you, you dads out there who are looking at that 80-inch curved high-definition television, and you've been hinting at it for five years, 
And when Christmas comes, all you got was socks. And one of the socks had a hole in it. Now imagine if you could take that sock with a hole, walk, go over to Walmart, go to the customer service place, and say, I'd like to exchange this holy sock for an 80-inch plasma high-definition television. And they take your sock and come back with a big old tray. Where's your car at, sir? To put this, could you imagine how many of your fellas you would be calling? Bring your socks, boys. You can get a plasma screen in exchange. We know that's not going to happen, but there's something better. We've taken our messed up sinful lives to Jesus and he has exchanged it for the perfect impeccable greatest life and record of his own and given it to us while we gave him our messed up sinful lives and we walk away debt free with a perfect record that's what Jesus did that's what he did he exchanged took our sins, and gave us his perfect life. And I didn't earn it. Everyone who will be in heaven will not be in there because they have earned it. They will be there because by the grace of God. We will have nothing to boast. But the good news is it does not matter how bad your sins are. Jesus is building his church with redeemed people who may have messed up, if he can take Paul, who persecuted and killed people in the church, and use him as one of his greatest apostles to write 13 letters of the, the Bible, then I think he can take us and your burdens and your sins and can give you his perfect record. Kids, you are in school now, and you have to earn and take your test. But imagine you took the test and you did not study for it, and you flunked it. You didn't get a D. You got a Z minus. That's how bad, that's what you earn. But imagine Jesus took the test, and he got 100%. And on that grade sheet, Next to your name, where you earned a Z minus, they write 100. Because of your faith in Jesus, his perfect score becomes accredited to you. You did not earn it, but by faith you receive it. That's the good news. I failed the test, but Jesus passed. And he's given me his perfect record. And he's brought me into his church. And he's brought me out of the world. He's sanctifying us. We're not perfect. This church is not perfect. My church is not perfect. But we're a bunch of redeemed people, imperfect people trying to serve a perfect God. And so he's called us out. And so when Jesus builds his church, we will have a firm foundation 
built by God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm thankful today for your grace and your mercy that when you build your church, it will stand. That nothing can stop it. That nothing can come against it. So God, I pray for those who are under the sound of my voice. There's anyone here today that does not know you, that they would come, repent, confess, and believe. And receive forgiveness that's been purchased by Jesus. God, I pray that you would touch. And then all of us who are saved, help us to see that you're building your church. That it will not fail, but help us to stay in our first love, that our witness that we will be salt and light in this world. May you receive all the glory and all the honor, for it is through your son Jesus who has shed his blood for his bride, the church. And may one day Jesus present us faultless and blameless before you as your bride, only because of our perfect Savior. And it's in his great name we pray. We say amen. Amen.